welcome to Glad Tidings, the Athletics Everton Football Club podcast. It's me, Greg O'Keefe. As ever, I'm with Paddy Boyland and we have a very special guest today. He's dragged himself out of the sun to come and sit down and talk to us. It's Everton and Republic of Ireland hero, Lee Carsley. Lee, good afternoon, pal. Thanks for having me on, guys. No bother whatsoever. So much to, to fit in, really, from a blue point of view. We've been writing a lot lately, Paddy and I, about uh, a couple of eras. One was the the anniversary a, f- a few weeks back now of the uh, o- 05 team that finished fourth. And then we've been looking at the, the sort of Walter Smith era as well, both of which you, you feature in. Uh, well, let's yeah. start with, I guess let's start with, before we go <laughs> down memory lane, start with what you're up to now. We, we were just saying off air that you're uh, <laughs> you, you're reassuringly in charge of <laughs> England, England's youth, the next generation. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm coaching the uh, England under 21 team. So re- really, really good job. Really lucky and, and privileged to be part of that. It's a great role, along with obviously Aidy Boothroyd, the, the the head coach, and Tim Dippen as the, the goalkeeping coach. Um, mm-hmm. Really, really proud to be. You know, it's a pre- prestigious position to be. You know, I know how lucky I am working with the you know the best players in England. Um, so it's a, it's a great job, and obviously working closely with the seniors as well. It's um, I know how lucky I am. I guess you had the opportunity to work with um, some some Everton players. You know the the academy is ever producing some some good talents there. So you you've been working alongside some of them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've been been lucky that work with with John Joe, uh, Tom Davies, Kieran Dowell, DCL. To, to obviously a top academy, but more importantly, they they produce good lads. Like they they're good. You know they're solid solid lads um, on and off the pitch. So yeah, very lucky. Lee, just starting with John Joe, obviously playing at the moment in, in the Bundesliga for Schalke. What, what have you made of his progress this, this season? I mean, how important is it that he's gone out and played regular games at, at such a high level for his development? I think it's brilliant. I think, f- first of all, it shows you a lot about his character that he's willing to, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure it would have been quite easy for him to go out on loan uh, to a, to another English club, maybe, maybe. Uh, in the same league or the championship, uh, but the fact that he's, he's gone abroad and played it in Germany, you know, with another language, another style of football, um, tells you a lot about him as a, as a person. Um, you know, I think I think he's an um, an outstanding talent. I think um, he's definitely got the ability uh, and the temperament to play in the, the Everton team, and I'm sure I'm sure that they'll be keeping a close eye on him. Another one I'm sure you've kind of watched his progress with uh, with interest is, is Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Um, yeah. You know, he, he started this season all right with the number nine shirt, which is, is a big ask, as you know, at Everton. Yeah, and, um, yeah definitely. He, I think he's pleasantly surprised everyone, not just with the fact that he's he's dealt with that, but he's, he's took it and ran with it, hasn't he? Yeah, definitely. And I think, like you say, and, 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 and you know, pe- people that aren't associated or don't know that much about Everton won't realise how, how iconic that number nine is. Mm. Shirt is, um, and and the weight that goes with carrying that number nine uh, from from the past, and and the fact that the the club and the manager showed the the faith in in, in Dom to wear that shirt. Um, you know, he's definitely doing it justice. He's always been threatening to do really well, and obviously he's he's, he's done he's done really well this season. Um, and, and like all of the lads, all, a lot of them just need the opportunity, the you know, the, the chance to. Uh, to prove, prove, and prove to themselves that they can do it, um, and and Dom's definitely done that as as a as a, as, a, as a few of them. Lee, one one of the players I really wanted to ask you about is is Tom Davis, predominantly because you you played in the same part of the pitch as, as he does yeah. now. I mean, yeah. b- before we we talk specifically about Tom as a development coach, 
Have you seen any? Have you seen the role of the central midfielder evolve and, and change since since you played the game? I mean, is are the, are the different areas of focus now to kind of maybe what was kind of privileged when you were playing? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to say that I have seen it evolve a lot, but I haven't really. It's you know, you've you've still got to have stamina. You've still got to be be able to run. You've got to be able to tackle. You've got to be able to pass it. You know, shooting, um, and and potentially get an assist. Um, what what maybe you've seen more in the modern days is players tend to specialise in certain in certain areas. So say for instance, I don't think there's a a Steven Gerrard coming through at the minute yeah. where you know Steven sort of done everything, didn't he? He was he could he could shoot, he could score, he could um, he could tackle, he could play right back, left back. You know, he was all round you know, excellent footballer. Where we seem to we seem to producing um, you know maybe holding midfielders. Or, or maybe number eights that can do a little bit of everything, but not really specialise. Or number tens that are really good at going forward and creative and uh, and that sort of. So I think that's you know the in terms of like when, when I was playing in the Premier League, you'd have players like maybe like Claude Makélélé, myself, um, uh, maybe Alonso. I mean, I'm not in that bracket, obviously, but like in terms of holding midfielders that would would do a job for the team. I mean, it's interesting you say that because Tom Davis, I think, has, has been kind of somebody that's played in a variety of different roles within the Everton yeah. side. And, and obviously so many teams play 4-2-3-1 now that you either become, as you say, pigeonholed as a defence midfielder or an attacking midfielder. I mean, from from the outside looking in, Tom's maybe neither of those things. And, and because Carlo Ancelotti has moved to a 4-4-2, do, do you kind of see Tom developing as kind of a an all-round box-to-box midfielder? Is that something that may may suit him moving forward? Yeah, I think I think what's what, what stuck out to me um, is I've, I've been recently watching this uh, Last Dance. I'm sure I'm sure you have as well on Netflix with the the Michael yeah. Jordan stuff. Um, and in 1996, um, I started working with Bill Beswick at Derby. Um, we were one of the first clubs to bring in Prozone, the analysis stuff, and um, a sports psychologist. Oh. And back back in then, Bill was talking to me about my role in the team, sort of being like a Dennis Rodman. Now, I knew nothing about basketball, but he, ex- he explained the role that he was the player in the team that basically kept the play going, You know, got all the rebounds, made sure that the better players were constantly in possession of the ball. So getting back to Tom, it, it's finding a role and a niche that keeps you in the team. So I, I knew quite quickly that if I could if I could pass the ball to the better players in the team, and if I could stop their better players from playing, that I was going to play a lot of games. And I think I think being good at a lot of things, sorry, but not a master of them, means that you find yourself in and out of the team quite a lot. Um, and I think I think you know not 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 just Tom Tom, but a lot of players almost need to find their role that's going to keep them in the team on a regular basis. Um, and, I, and I think that there's, there's a lot of players that, that are in that position. I think that's spot on. It's, it's, it's certainly something that is going to be more pressing for the lads who are playing in the middle of the park with with a 4-4-2 developing because there's obviously a premium on those spots more than ever. Um, so I kind of feel for Tom. You know, it, it, it's, it's almost whether he's, he's missed a chance or, through no fault of his own to to really nail down his position. So we're just going to have to wait and see, I, I guess. Yeah. But he's, a, he's, an ex, he's, a, he's an excellent player, Tom is, he's a, and he's a, he's a really good character. And, you know, I, I always seem to gravitate, especially on camps, towards the Everton lads because, I, you know, I've got an interest in how they're doing with, with the club and all the rest of it. And um, I know how proud they are to play for Everton. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's brilliant when, when, when they see how much, you know, especially when they're doing well, how much they love playing for the club. 
Yeah, exactly. Oh, fantastic. Um, just quick, quick word as well on another lad who can. This I don't think he's as much a victim as of, of being flexible, but Mason Holgate. You know, we've seen yeah. him playing central central midfield, <laughs> Old yeah. Trafford this season, and central defence as well. And, and he's again someone who's who's certainly, if I'm honest, surprised me with how he's come on this season. Yeah, I think I think I think sometimes as well, especially with younger players, you can you know you they go through stages where. You, you tend, I'm not saying you, but you, you tend to write, you, you write them off and say, I'm not, I'm not sure they're going to quite cut it when sometimes they just need that little bit of time out of the team to, to give, be given that time to develop their, their, maybe their weaknesses or their, their speed or their strength or, yeah. or maybe just say, even just start, like, mentally have a bit of a breather before they come back. And I think Mason's done excellent. He's done, he, you know, he's, it, it would have surprised, like you say, a lot of people and, and potentially saved Everton a lot of money in terms of, you know, replacing, uh, you know, to get a replacement centre back uh, in the Premier League is, is, is obviously not cheap. Looking back to obviously, we had the anniversary, I think it was a fortnight ago, and you probably have the, the inevitable questions about your part in that team. It feels like a, a really golden era in the modern Premier League times. Yeah. For, you know, you, you under David Moyers, yourself, and Tommy yeah. Grafson, and you can name the team, they just flow off, you know, Mikel Arteta, Tim Cahill. Um, what was it like to be a part of that? That that I mean, you were part of the club for a long time, but that particular yeah. season must have felt special. I think, yeah, I think definitely. I think in that in that in that that summer, especially, we had um, we had a, we had a great uh, pre-season trip to Houston, um, where we, where we really bonded as a team. You know, there was there was there was rumours that Wayne was going to get sold. Uh, I remember after one session uh, when Wayne was sold that. David Moyes got all the players together. Uh, we had done an evening session and he basically said, no one's coming in, no one's going out. And the squad was about, I think we had about 16 at that point, or 17, 18. It wasn't a big squad anyway. Um, he said, basically, so we need, we need to stick together. I've, I've got confidence in you. I've got, I've got belief in you. And I think we can, we can do something this season if we stick together. And uh, that almost bonded us together, that did. The fact that we knew that you were never going to be that far away from being in the team or out of the team. And, um, we were favourites to go down. Uh, well, not favourites, but we were we were we were tipped by a lot of bookies to really struggle that season. And, and so, you know, we, we should have been because we struggled the season before. So it wasn't you know it wasn't unfounded. And like you say, the 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 way that we responded to being beaten quite comfortably on the first day of the season at Arsenal, uh, sorry at, at Goodison by Arsenal. And then, and then getting that getting that win at Crystal Palace, which really which really set us off. And I mean, I don't think we lost then until December, I think. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, Lee, the, the interesting thing is, I mean, you you've touched on it there. Everton finished seventeenth the year before. Yeah. So to to kind of catapult themselves up the table after losing somebody of the quality of Wayne Rooney is obviously a monumental achievement. I mean, you've spoken there a bit about Houston and and what David Moyes and did in galvanising the team in pre-season. But how do you explain the improvement on the pitch in terms of kind of, it seemed like you stepped up a level collectively, but also individually? Well, I've, I've read a few, obviously I knew I was going to, I knew I was going to chat to you. So I've read a few things down, what I, th- what I think that that, that team had. Um, I, think, I think that team had character in terms of um, the players. We had, we had a nice blend of experienced players um, that were, that had a big influence over the dressing room in, ter- in terms of you know Dunk and uh, David Weir and Stubbsy, uh, Nigel Martin, uh, them, these kind of guys. Um, we had a lot of pride in playing for Everton, like we didn't want to let the fans down, which is a big thing. You know, we had 
it's very rarely you get a squad of players that actually want to play for the club and feel a responsibility for the badge. You know, we wanted to do well for the fans. We had a massive togetherness. Um, and, and I don't just mean with the I don't just mean with the players, I mean with the fans as well. There was a real they could see that we were weren't great to watch, but they could see that we were giving everything for the club. And 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 if if you know Evertonians, they'll accept poor performances, uh, but they won't accept you not trying. They won't accept a lack of effort. And we had that in abundance. You know, we never gave up. And and the last thing was that the team had was resilience. If we had a setback in a game, or if we had a setback by in a result, we bounced back the next game. We never had a run of poor results. Um, we we seem to have that resilience. And if, if you think about all them things that I mentioned there, you can't coach any of that. None of that was coached on the on the on the training ground. It was all from within, and it was a, a collective, and 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 it was it was a unique situation. If you you know, it, and it's like definitely the best season I've ever had in football um, with the best players at that I've played with at the, at the same time. We all seem to be in form for nine months, which, which is unusual. You know, we've done really well with injuries. Uh, we won when we shouldn't have won. We drew when we shouldn't have drew. Uh, and we didn't lose many games. So it was, uh, it was an all-round really good season. Yeah, you, you speak about that resilience, which is, which is undeniable. And it's just underlined by the pivotal afternoon in, in South London. Because if you think about it, results-wise, you end the previous season... Battered at Man City, 5-1. Um, Gaffer's furious, talks about players being in the flip-flops early and I'm, I would imagine he, he gave you a yeah. piece of his mind. Then, yeah. as you say, you start the following season with all that kind of drawing a line under it and yeah. you're at Goodison and one of the best teams to ever play in the Premier League comes and, and, and does a number on you. Bergkamp, Lundberg, Perez. A lot of teams could have folded. Then you go down to London for, against Palace and they score first. And it's Tommy Gravson who slots the pen to, to make it one. That's right, yeah. yeah. And you kind of never look back. You you obviously and, and Tommy were just such a unit and became such a, a popular part of the sort of folklore around that team. What was it like play, playing alongside him? Well, I, th- I, th- I think it goes back to the what, what we're saying about understanding your role in the team. You know, it, mm-hmm. was a, it, was a, it was a position that I'd always played in terms of um, a holding midfielder, um, understanding, you know, at Derby, we had the likes of um, Aranio, Asanovic, Bayano. So these were top, either Italian yeah. or Croatian internationals. So quite quite early within my career, I realised that I wasn't going to be at that level. So I needed to find a way to get into the team. So, um, you know, I realised that if I if I covered Thomas's gaps and Tim's gaps that they left, then I was able to keep play going. So, in terms of when we attacked, when it was cleared, if I could get that next ball and make sure the, the attacks were going, we wouldn't be as exposed in terms of being counter-attacked. So, um, but playing with not, not only Thomas, but, but Tim, the, the three of us in terms of if you, if you, could, if you could bake a cake and, and, and have a piece of it, it was almost the perfect ingredients for midfielders because you had, you had Thomas's, and you, you probably wouldn't um, associate this, but Thomas's flair and his skill and the way that he took the ball, the way that he ran with the ball, um, the way he could handle the ball under pressure, the way he draw a foul or foul someone in terms of you know, stopping a counter-attack. You had Tim's power and aggression, his timing in the box, his goals, um, his understanding of really simple things like in both boxes, defensively on set plays, corners and, and free kicks, he was really effective in both boxes. And then myself, that, that, that you know, I sort of complemented what they did without being, 
um, outstanding. I was I was all right at just blocking um, positions for him and keeping the play going. And and like I said, the chemistry within not not just just us three, but but obviously Davey here and and Stubbsy behind us. Um, we had a, a really good balance, which is which is something that probably uh, you know if you if you, if you said to, to David Moyes in pre-season we're going to go with this system, you know almost like four five one with Marcus on his own up front, yeah, uh, and leave potentially Kev Campbell and Duncan Ferguson on the bench, you'd have probably got no chance. You'll, they'll never do that. But <laughs> we stumbled upon it and it worked. Lee, there was a lot of surprise outside of Merseyside when yeah. Tommy Graveson left to go to Real Madrid and maybe that was a bit harsh on Tommy because as you've said there he was he was a really good footballer as well yeah. um yeah. I was just wondering what the reaction was like inside the dressing room to to losing somebody like him him moving to such a big club but then also kind of having to roll with yet another punch after losing Wayne Rooney um yeah. at the start of the season too yeah I, th- I think with um with 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 the Thomas situation I know that he had a, a year left on his contract so it would have been up in the summer uh, and he was playing really well for Everton. He was playing outstanding for Denmark. So on the international scene, he was probably he was probably getting a lot more exposure than he was at Everton. Um, playing really well. Um, and I remember that the, the 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 night, the evening before uh, he decided he was going to, we stayed in the same uh, apartment block in in Liverpool. And he, and he said, "Oh, Carl, I need to come down and talk to you." So I said, "Come on in." So come down. He said, oh, "I've got I've got a decision to make." Um, I'm either going to go to AC Milan or Real Madrid. <laughs> what would you do? And I was like, "Oh, let me let me some think, mate. I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure what I did." But but that just goes to show it wasn't just it wasn't just Real Madrid that were interested in him. He had the top clubs in the world at that time interested in him. So internally, were we surprised? No, not one bit. You know, and I remember we were all sat in the in the canteen. So he, he went to Real Madrid, and then the day after they presented him. Um, at, the, at the press conference and we were all sat in the canteen at Belfield sat around the telly watching him and and he comes out in his, his Everton club suit with his, his tie on <laughs> he's like, like didn't, didn't even change his suit he wore the Everton suit so I, and I spoke to him and he's like I had, to, I had to represent the club lad I had to represent him I was like brilliant that so but he deserved it you know he's a great player and, and, and I, you know whenever I'm asked about the best players you know I've played with some really really good players but Thomas was was so underrated, but so appreciated by the the lads that he played with, and a great guy as well. He was he was a good guy. Testament to to David Moyes and his recruitment team that they lost somebody like Thomas Graveson and they were able to replace him with somebody that goes on to be certainly a modern Everton icon in Mikel Arteta. Yeah. I mean, how yeah. how did you kind of strike up a partnership with him, and what were the differences of playing with say Mikel as opposed to to Thomas in the midfield? David Moyes had already showed in terms of his recruitment that he could see real uh, talent so we Stephen Pienaar came in uh, obviously a little bit later but yeah. Mikel came in and Mikel almost like he definitely hit the ground running um, and the, the, the reason I, I, I can't remember whether Mikel played centre midfield straight away is because I tend to remember him being out on the left with Jolian yes um, yeah he was yeah um, yeah and, and playing in wider areas and it wasn't until maybe a little bit later on maybe in the season after we finished fourth where he started playing a little bit more central but um, you know, when when you know a few years later, when you see Mikel playing as a as a holding midfielder for Arsenal, yet he was playing you know left or right wing for Everton, and sometimes in the middle, you know, it it just goes to show how, how talented a footballer he was, excellent footballer, and and again when you when your list of when when you think about the list that I said earlier about the character, the pride, 
and the resilience. He had all of them as a player. He'd shown that um, he wanted to fight for his position. He wanted to fight for the team. Um, you know, and he, he he gave his all for Everton, and he was a he was a he was a great player for us. Certainly was. Um, you know, you're very. Uh... Typically humble there, mate, but one thing that you, you did that season that, that not many Everton players sadly have done for a long time was score the winner against Liverpool in a derby. And there's, there's that iconic photograph, isn't there, of the Pileon with Tim yeah, Cahill. That, that I'm not in. That you're not in with Tim <laughs> Cahill. Surprise, surprise, <laughs> look, looking, at, looking at the yeah. camera front, front and centre. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That must have been a special game. Tell us what you remember about that and, and what you did afterwards. <laughs> well, I remember if you... Um... And I'm sure I'm sure a few of the listeners will remember uh, right in the middle of town where Beedham Plaza is. Um, yeah. If you if you walk up Castle Street, there used to be a fruit and veg stall yes. on the on the corner. Yeah, yeah so, that's right. Yeah. So every day I'd, I'd I'd walk up and I'd, I'd go and get a coffee or you know with 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 a couple of lads, maybe Stevie Finnan or Chris Kirkland or or one of the other lads, and he'd always say, "Yeah, Lee, here's some here's some grapes or here's some oranges and, and all the rest of it." And, so I'd always get some stuff off him, and uh, a great fella he was. He knew that I liked the melons, and he he, he get me some watermelon or what, what, some honey melon. Great fella he was, but he was a he was a he was a red. And the the week of the derby game, I said, "Are you mate?" And he went, "No, nah, not this week." And I says, <laughs> well, "I was messing around." I was like, "What are you on about?" He went, "It's derby week, mate." And I said, "Well, what does that mean?" He went, "Don't talk to me this week. Talk to me after the game." <laughs> so, but but. It, but he carried that on all week, and I thought, is he having a laugh here or what, or is he serious? And 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 it, and it really it really hit home that you could almost sense the the atmosphere because I lived in the city centre, so I'd constantly be going into you know get get a, you know sandwiches or whatever, go and get some food. Um, you could definitely tell the change in the atmosphere in the in the city centre. So in terms of the fans that you met, would be like, you you better be up for it the weekend, lad, like. To, you know, we, we ain't losing to these. And you'd be like, yeah, yeah okay, all right. You know, all right, it's only Monday. Like, we've got a few <laughs> days yet. But, you know, you realise how important it was. And, and like, like I'm sure all the lads will tell you, a derby game is a blur. You know, you, you know the, the referee blows the whistle and he seems to blow it again and that's it, the game's finished. It goes so quickly and you almost, the ball is literally like, well, it was then. It was like a hot potato. You did not want to make a mistake. You didn't want to give it away. You didn't want to cost the team. You didn't want to let the fans down. Um, all these things you you wanted to get your first tackle in. You wanted to make sure that you that the opposition knew that you know they were in they were in for a match, and um, you know obviously then to, to, to go on and win the game and um, and at the time you're almost as you're almost in that zone where you're like right who have we got next? But as you know as soon as we got into the dressing room, you, you could see how much it meant to Tony Sage and Jimmy Martin and uh, yeah. Jimmy Coma. And and uh, all the rest of the staff and and Darren the press fellow, it's like yes, like the proper like like buzz, absolutely buzzing that we'd beat them and that you know obviously it was a big big day as well for David Moyes getting you know getting one over on on Liverpool and um, so in ter- in terms of how you know I've I've always been the, the you know I feel a lot more comfortable when everyone else is doing well and I'm sort of part of it but it's not because of me so it was it was it never sat. You know, they never sat comfortable with me whenever I got a winning goal. I was almost like, you know, yeah, we played well as a team and yeah, but, you know, you've got the winning goal, but yeah, but, you know, the team's doing really well. So <laughs> it sort of suited me to sort of be in the background. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, that, that Sunday and Monday, we were all over the press, you know, for, you know, beat Liverpool and, and obviously um, me getting a winning goal, which I'm really proud of. I still go up to up to Everton now and, and we talk about the winning goal, but 
and I'm not I'm not saying this and I'm not meaning it. I wish now that someone else could score the winning goal against Liverpool because it would mean that we'd beat them again and, and it was someone else's turn now. But I'm so proud of the fact that I still get invited back up there and people still remember that that goal. It wasn't a good goal though, was it? I mean, it was a, when, when you, I've been on some of these, dark, they're called Derby Heroes nights where you've got Graham Sharp scoring that volley. You've got Kevin Sheedy's free kick where he smashes it into the top corner. Then you've got my bobbler. You know, literally just about it. It's the back of the net. It's it's not it's not a it's not a great strike. Did you go back to that fruit fruit and veg man on the on the Monday yeah. morning? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see him. Didn't see him. He's packed up. No, but it, it's it, it's getting back to him. Like it it sort of it it made me realise how much it meant. It's like you know I've played I've played in in Blues and Villa and I played in Derby and Forest and on the day it's intense. But leading up to it, it's you know there's not it's not it's not as you know, you know, and that's what I always try and say. If you live in Liverpool, you're blue or you're red. Like there ain't no Newcastle tops or Barcelona. Like it's one <laughs> or the other. Loads of memorable moments in, in that season, Lee. I mean, we, we've spoken of Palace. We've spoken about the the game there against uh, against Liverpool. There's the Manchester United win as well. But I wanted to kind of fast forward to Newcastle at home, which was the day Everton effectively clinched fourth place. I mean, what what are your recollections of? of not only the game itself that day, but also the kind of the celebrations and, and maybe either the ecstasy or the relief of finishing oh God, yeah. above Liverpool. Yeah. yeah. So the, the obviously we, I was I was back at back in back in Birmingham watching watching the game on the telly. Um you know it comes through that that we've won uh, sorry that we've that we've qualified and it's done. Literally as the kickoff as the referee blew the whistle, my phone went get back up to Liverpool, uh, we're meeting in the dock. So, literally, I was like Starsky and Hutch, jumped in my car, I dived through the window, I was, I was straight straight up to Liverpool. We had a, we had an unbelievable night out, it was a great night, every member of staff was there, every player, um, brilliant, brilliant night. Uh, but unfortunately, we were, playing, we were playing Arsenal two days later, so in terms of preparation, it wasn't, it wasn't great for us, but, you know, to, to be... You know, I'm on that night, by the way, it wasn't a, you know, everyone wasn't falling about drunk. It was a real, you know, we were just buzzing that we'd got fourth. You know, everyone was talking about, are they going to do it? Who's going to crack the top four? Is anyone ever going to, you know, break the monopoly of the same four being being in the top four every year? And we'd done it. We'd, we'd gone against the grain and we'd, we don't, I wouldn't say we'd shut people up. We'd definitely proved people wrong. Um and, and and like I say, it was a it was a it was a really good it was a really good time for us. Um, like, like I say, not not just the players but the staff as well. I think it really cemented um, David Moyes' uh, reputation as a Premier League manager. Obviously, he'd, he'd only managed in the in the Championship before that. Obviously, still with a good reputation, but you know, to, to get into the top four really elevated his um, his standing within within with Evertonians especially. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, as it always ever, ever ever is with Everton, there was kind of the high, and then there was the the low. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> in terms of, I, I don't mean the Arsenal game. I think most of us oh, were yeah. still too, <laughs> st- still too half cut to uh, to really yeah. care, but cer- <laughs> certainly certainly come come the summer and having to play that that two legged tie against Villarreal, that was the uh, that was an absolute sickener on so many levels. I mean, okay, it, you know, made it, it was difficult. Bit the result over there, and what have you? But um, yeah, it just everything seems stacked against Everton in, in that tie, didn't it? In those ties, definitely. Rather. Yeah, I mean, you, you you talk about an anticlimax. We 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 tried so hard to get there, and you know, we we'd, we'd um, 
you know, you've been in the in the in Belfield watching the draw and we're excited about the games and yeah, it so it it almost seemed like everything seemed to go against us uh, from the referee's decision to the way that we performed. I don't think we performed great in either against Villarreal or, or the or the other game to be honest. But um, and then that really that really got us off on a on a bad start for them for the, for the rest of the season. But you know, on a personal level, I obviously got injured against Bolton and ended up having a having an operation late on in the in the pre-season. So I missed three quarters of that that next season. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, um, back in the side when things started looking up. So <laughs> it wasn't all yeah. bad. It was a, a typical da- David Moyes rally after Christmas and uh, a nice period of finishing uh, consistently in the European places. So as uh, as I'm sure you need no reminding, you remain an absolute hero up, up here in the northwest in the Blue Arthur Merseyside. Thanks I ever so much for, for taking the time and um, keep well and good luck getting things Thanks back. Thanks for having me on, boys. And I hope you're all healthy and everyone's okay. is at the bottom of a pile of blue shirts and Everton lead Liverpool by a goal to nil.